We laugh. We cry. We learn. But really, what doesn't kill you makes you better at managing clients and everyone. I'm Morgan Friedman, and this is Client Horror Stories. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the latest edition of Client Horror Stories. And I'm honored today to have the always awesome and always well-dressed Jess McCarter on uh, with me to talk. Uh, let's dive right into your story. Jess, take it away. Thanks, Morgan. I appreciate you having me. Um, I'd like to flash back to my early days when we were just getting started uh, with our web applica- application development company. It was called SageBit. Uh, and we'd been developing our own products for two years. And um, we were too early with everything. We were YouTube too early, bef- you know, two years too early before YouTube even started its growth. Um, and so while we were waiting for the market to catch up with us, we said, oh man, we're going to have to start doing development to pay the bills. And so as we were still developing our own small products, we also did little tiny contracts for companies, a one-off project to do some web scrapers, a one-off project to do a website. Um, We cut our teeth uh, in Ruby on Rails full stack development, which was brand new back in the 05, 06, 07 um, with very small full stack web applications for clients. Again, very small scope, very short contract duration, one and done. and we needed to ramp up our development operation. We'd hired developers out of some of the local schools. Um, we had them all trained up and ready to go. It was growth time. And so I was uh, living in the East Coast this time, even though the company was in Indianapolis, Indiana, and I headed to the East Coast to drum up big clients. And I did some uh, RFQs, I answered some advertisements, and then I found the big fish. And I didn't find him on my own. And so warning point number one, when your friends, and this was a referral from a friend that we all, all of us working together, gone to Dartmouth College together. When your friend says, hey, I've got this big client, you should talk to him. Spend some time doing some due diligence. Um, we didn't Ooh. do as much due diligence as we need to, right? You're, you're moaning, you know what I'm talking about and where this is headed. Um, so we, qu- qu- yeah, question, yeah. what sort of, when you get an introduction, what sort of due diligence would you recommend doing? Most people just, you commonly Google them to see if there are any obvious red flags. He was in a lo- terrible lawsuit, but but beyond that, what sort of due diligence do you recommend? Definitely go beyond that because on paper, this client was amazing. We're talking about exactly. a math and music prodigy, um, international from a different country, uh, very successful in New York with what uh, had been done to date. And so you have this idea from the background on paper that this is something that's well-funded, well-capitalized, that has a good uh, bit of runway to go. Um, so it starts with the personal questions. I really wish I'd asked my friend who did the referral, how long have you worked for this guy? How big has your contract been? Has your contract been fixed scope? And have you had any problems? Because if I'd asked those questions, Morgan, <laughs> I would have learned that he'd just started working. Within two months, he'd had like five or six change orders. There had already been one missed payment. Uh, and he was doing wireframes for the client. Uh, wireframes are not a full website. They're not, exactly. and it's definitely not ambitious, giant project like this guy was planning. 
So at this point, I'll introduce some background on the, the project without going, you know, we're keeping it anonymous, I believe, right? Yeah, okay. exactly. It was a shopping project. It was to build, you know, in 2005, six, seven, web commerce had already gone through the web one boom and bust cycle. More things were moving online for buying. And this was a very ambitious idea to do all of your, your shopping lists and all of your shopping online across multiple sites, all housed within this one grand site that um, you, know, you have single login. So it was it was really ahead of its time in terms of you know how long did Google take until it rolled out single login or Facebook to other websites? It was a decade later almost. Um, how long has Amazon been working on building a product like this where you can right. drop all of the stories? A long time. So big ambitious project, more due diligence. Uh, <laughs> um, so there would have been some warning signs if I'd interrogated the friend more closely. Um, you have to question motivation is another thing, right? So explain. The, 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 the acquaintance who brought us this referral was clearly under pressure from the guy. I hired you because right. you doing um, front-end design and wireframes and um, investor pitch decks for a long time. And part of what I hired you for is that you have connections. So you say you know people that develop things. I want some developers. Put them here in front of me right away. You know, and that could, the question, how you phrase that nicely is, hey, the the referral you've brought us that you're working with, um, you know, has it been a really copacetic, mutually agreeable relationship so far? Are you feeling a little pressure? Are you having any problems? And he probably would have told us that time, like, yeah, this guy's really, you know, looking for some developers. And we could have taken it at that point and turned it back around and, and, this is not an irredeemable project. Almost no project is irredeemable, but we really should have put some more guardrails in place. And this would have been our first warning time. So, so before I talk about guardrails and what happened next, I want to add a comment on, on due diligence. I, lo I love your point on due diligence. And what's interesting is phrases like due diligence make people feel worried. Oh my God, due diligence, lawyers, research, hard, but, but your insight is actually important. Often due diligence is as easy as asking the mutual connection. Tell me the details of how it went. And that it's easy, but that little bit goes so far in, in helping alert you to the yellow flags. And it, it, it doesn't need to be a full-blown background investigation, but you know, maybe a few questions about finance are really appropriate. And you know, for instance, I've also done a lot of real estate transactions. And one of the things we do when we're buying or selling a property, if a, a buyer, for instance, um, says, oh, yeah, well, this is an all cash offer, it's totally acceptable at that point to say, that is fantastic. We really look forward to it. It's very strong. Verbally, would you please just provide the documentation that funds are available? And it, it's not put all the money right now into an escrow account. It's just, just let us have a little peek behind the curtain and make sure that some of the things you're saying yeah. match up with and, 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 and like often, like, a screenshot goes a long way, like a bank account screenshot or, exactly. or a, an MOU, you know, a memorandum of understanding from an investor who hasn't even given you the funds yet. Um, or, you know, a, just a, a, a sneak peek of like, OK, we'll sign the NDA, we'll get all confidential. And now that we're confidential, if you would be so kind, would you pretty please disclose a few names of the investors in your project? 
so that we can just do some quick background research to make their make sure they're legitimate. Not, I need to sit down and have an hour meeting with your investor. Just, I need to double check that this person actually exists <laughs> um, because some people are a little more uh, flim flam uh, than others. <laughs> and um, there might not have been as many investors behind this project as we were initially led to believe. And because we didn't ask the question and we didn't get any sort of verification, it became a tough spot later on when the bills came due. <laughs> You're teasing me about what happens next. So you get this. So let, exactly. So you get this intro. You didn't do the due diligence. We and didn't what do the due diligence. It's true. We were so excited. We really needed a big client, and this was the first big fish client that was that was on the rod. We lost some really key contracts during even earlier in negotiation before we'd had a chance to get down the due diligence road. It had been two or three big misses at that point that had happened over that summer. And this was the height of New York City summer. It's hot, humid. And back then you still did a lot of literally pounding the streets to, to go to a lot of these meetings. You had to have a salesperson who was me at that point on the ground, going into these offices and having the, the, that last stage meeting uh, face to face. And so it had been a long, hot summer of on and off the subway um, going to these client meetings. And I was, I was not on my A game at that point. I was a little run down from having this sales cycle bust on me a few times. And so I was excited to push a, a client through the sales funnel and into signed. And that's, you know, that's warning too on your, on your background research is never, never be so eager and so anxious that you forget to do the fundamentals because, you know, the only thing Worse than no contract is a bad contract. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. This might be the title of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Go for it. Um, you know, I, I, my, my notes have big client, big mess. It was our first big client. I mean, we had not worked with, and you know, as I alluded to in our preamble here, we had not worked with someone this big before. We not had a contract this big. They've been very fixed scope. Um, so. Okay. So, 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 so your referrals, due diligence. <laughs> um, but this, 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 this is great. Love, love the lesson so far. So, um, so you're eager, and and what and what happened? So, without fully doing our due diligence, with asking some cursory questions about financing, um, we we leap into mistake number two. Okay. Um, and so next on my list. It's just written as payment and scope. Um, we had always asked for deposits with our contracts. We had had uh, good legal advice to set up the contracts. The contracts are sound. And you know you can get, there's so many different companies that offer boilerplate legal contracts now uh, online. Um, you can get a really good contract for a development deal like this. It literally change nothing to it and have it work great for you. We had, had these customized, so we'd gone one step beyond boilerplate. Um, and you can't define an overall project cost unless you have the scope right. And so you can't get a proper down payment unless you define the project scope. Um, we knew from the description from the client that this is gonna be a big scope. And what we should have learned from our first couple of meetings when we were doing our background research and developing the scope, you know, you do the first couple for free, 
you meet with the person, you get their specifications. And then at some point you need to flip the flag, like you're a New York city taxi driver, that meter, you know, needs to start running. And, um, this warning sign should have really clued us in. This guy didn't want the flag to drop. He didn't want the meter to start running. He wanted to have as many meetings as possible. And they just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. I mean, he was just so grandiose. And, you know, we're talking about a brilliant prodigy. Um, I was constantly impressed with how his mind worked, uh, but it was all over the place. And it was hard to rein in and get focused on um, setting an initial scope of projects. And it's okay to have an ambitious project, but if, especially if you're doing development for hire, or even if you're working on your own startup, you need to phase your design out. So the concept of MVP of a minimum viable product certainly existed at this point in time. And we kept trying to steer the conversation back to an MVP. And this guy wanted to launch with everything. Okay, so, if you'd like to launch with everything, please. So I want to backtrack 30 seconds hmm. because you mentioned something in passing that I actually think is another risk factor that yes. is that is worth calling out, which is working with brilliant prodigies. <laughs> and, or I'll say it differently, being seduced by someone's intelligence. So it's definitely happened to me before where I where I've worked with people uh, and I would see these different yellow flags, but I would be so in awe of how their mind works. Oh my God, I didn't think of this idea that's eight steps ahead. This is brilliant, this is brilliant, that it's kind of sexy. And you get so excited. You say you you in emotionally just ignore, ignore all, all, of, all of the other risk factors. So I think a really good lesson is is when you see yourself getting seduced to doubly, uh, doubly be careful about uh, about the yellow flags that you do see. For sure. The odds that you're in conversation with your future life partner and the person who's going to build that next great startup with you, those odds are actually slim to none, uh, especially if you're doing a development deal. Um, that That is totally true. We were completely and utterly seduced. I love a good conversation and I love an interesting person. And I love a mind that um, can be analytical, but also can leap from those bounds and get really expansive. But there's a time and a place for everything. And trying to sit down and define project scope is not the time and the place to be brainstorming the solutions to all the world's problems. Um, it, at the end of the day, exactly. it, was it was shopping. We're not going to solve the world's problems through shopping. We're not. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, that is an you are correct. Um, that. Uh, and that's one of my, you know, when you look at yourself, you need to not just focus on your strengths, but you need to understand your own weaknesses, weaknesses that you'll never truly overcome. And so you need to work hard to steer around those weaknesses so they don't become bubbles. And that is one of mine. You are absolutely right. I could go, this podcast right now could go off the rails and you and I could have a conversation that goes on for three hours that touches on a whole bunch of different topics, none of which have anything to do with client horror stories or what <laughs> someone, you know, doing their first big development contract or starting their first company should look out for. So reining it back in uh, before I go down that path myself, that should have been a warning sign when we couldn't get a really good scope on paper and we decided to move forward anyway, we made a guesstimate. Um, we talked about a monthly burn rate. Um, we talked about um, all these other minute contract details at that point. But we really, really put the cart in front of the horse there because what you need is the horse out front. It's the scope of the project. If you're doing development for hire or you're working on your own startup company 
and you have a fixed amount of resources, you have to make those decisions up front before you start working. Because once you start working, it's really hard to pull it back. But we started working. <laughs> those brainstorm sessions that were a warning sign when we were first trying to develop scope, those got way out of hand. We're talking about someone who's a mathematical and a musical prodigy. We'd be having these meetings in this crazy midtown loft, uh, actually less midtown, more kind of garment district. Um, so thirties in Manhattan. Um, and he had computer equipment and musical equipment and um, he'd pull out a keyboard and noodle like a, like noodle a signature musical phrase and be like, okay, we're trying to develop the feature set that matches this tonal feeling. It's like, whoa, we are <laughs> gone. Full-on full seduction mode. <laughs> yeah. we, we are we are not in Kansas anymore, Toto. We have gone way, way, way off the radar here. But so, um, and the problems will amplify if you don't continue your due diligence. So when you have a startup client you're working for, or if you're a startup yourself, you're still in fundraising mode, particularly when you're in pre-seed and seed rounds. You're bringing money in the door. And you've got an anticipated burn rate and an anticipating anticipated raise rate. You cannot let your burn rate get in front of your raise rate. And you can't right. let, if you're doing development for hire, it's not your raise, it's their raise. And so we sent our first bill, no problem, paid promptly. And then after the first period of engagement, hey, you guys, so we, you know, we've got our first bill paid, uh, we've got more money coming in the door, we really want to ramp up development. Will you bring on an extra developer? Sure. Yes, because I'm bringing a developer. I have charge you. I'm making more money. Why wouldn't I bring in an extra developer? Oh, wait. Remember when you didn't really fully articulate the scope and you didn't get, you got your deposit and you got your first month's payment? You don't know that there's more money there. And you haven't actually done any due diligence at this point. Hey, He's told you he's raising more money. Have he? Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> right. And this is if you've gotten the names of the investors, um, investors are going to be your best knowledge. So if you're starting your own startup, um, those investors have already invested with you. They're going to help you procure more investors because they want to see their money be leveraged into something larger. Um, and likewise, if someone's invested in a company that you're doing development for hire for, they'll be the most honest answer about whether more money's actually been raised because they're the ones they care even more than the founders. And they've got a they've got a big stake. Um, startups are known to fail. They would like to keep their failure rate low, um, and they're managing a lot of different startups at once. They're going to be keeping tabs on all. They don't have to do the day to day. Their only concerns are: is more money coming in the door? It's progress being made. That's all they're checking on. Whereas when you're running the company yourself, you've got 10,000 other problems going on. So uh, we should have checked in and done a little extra due diligence at this point. We could have even asked our buddy who brought us in, hey, how many of your bills have been paid? You still getting paid? Because it turns out he hadn't had his last bill paid because that money went to us. We were in the middle of a fundraising Ponzi scheme. So, <laughs> oh, no. Oh, yes. So we've got crazy mad genius coming up with an ever-increasing scope, spending ever more money, money he does not have. And I'm sitting there as the boots on the ground, 
in New York City, going to all these meetings and seeing more the next round of people getting roped in. And that's when my alarm bell started going off a little bit because wait a second, we've got, we have a contract to do all of the primary development on this. And he's already interviewing during sessions with our companies, interviewing people to be hired on by the company itself. So direct hires, we have the exclusive development deal. So if he's not honoring the terms of our contract, those include the payment terms. Are we going to run into some problems with payment? Um, that was our first alarm bell. Um, I, I want I want I want to make an observation on that one. Yeah. If he was interviewing people to hire directly, despite the exclusivity in your in your contract, yet bring you to the meetings, that to me implies not maliciousness. Because if it was if he was purposely trying to rip you off, he would not invite you to the meetings and secretly be hiring people directly. But but it implies more cluelessness, which is just as dangerous. So it's just a, it's just a different type. It's like it's dealing with the asshole or dealing with the guy whose head in the or heads are in the clouds. Mendacity and cluelessness go hand in hand, and, <laughs> and they walk down a road together. And that road is the road to nowhere. <laughs> you're not you're not going to get us whether you have mendacity. We're not going to have a successful project. Uh, and this, by the way, was definitely not a successful project. In the meantime, we're having these brainstorm sessions for names because there's no name for this product yet. And he's got us sitting there. We've got our laptops open. We're doing who is uh, lookups in the DNS and trying to find available domain names. And he's got us registering, you know, dozens the first session, hundreds the second session. He's hundreds. Yeah, we're, these are getting registered under our account. And so now I've got all of these domains. And you know, I'm, I'm like, well, William, what's back then is like, what's the big deal? Any of these domains can get sold. The dot com is yeah. like, like liquid gold. No. no. Take this from the guy who owns liquidgoldnails.com. The the names are not. <laughs> Don't ask. It's another project. <laughs> uh, the, the domain names are not, you're, you're, you're going to be really lucky on a lot of them to cover your registration fee. We, we did manage to uh, auction off almost all of the domain names and cover them, uh, cover the costs there. But we had at one point, I had uh, several thousand domain names registered. <laughs> it was crazy. So uh, that's the end of scope. Um, and we've started to allude to some of the things that we can get out of this. And you know, my, my part three to the story is to start, start finding the upside which is that the rock bottom came right after that. Our second bill was submitted and we had a very long phone call. When the person who wants to see you in person all the time, who is doing hiring in front of you, who is doing fundraising calls in front of you that sound very positive, when that person suddenly doesn't want to see you in person, that's, that's the end is not die, the end is there. <laughs> the, when the phone call comes, it's like, well, I got your recent bill. Oh, you know, I'm, I'm around the corner grabbing a coffee. I was just in your office, we could have talked about this. I'll just come right back. Oh no, let's do this on the phone. Uh-oh. <laughs> um, you know, bill, bill number two came due uh, big time. Um, and by the way, I, want, I just want to observe that there's a more general version of the pattern is any client that you work with, mm -hmm. whenever they say, let's have a call, there's like this ominous music starts playing in the background. My stomach still drops. I'm, you know, I graduated from college in 1999. I've been doing things professionally for 23 years. And to this day, when someone says, hey, let's let's have a quick call about that, my stomach drops. Like I can feel, physically feel my and, stomach. Nothing good is coming. 
and even when you have clients where things are going great and there's no problem, so even so even when you have no reason to fear, like saying, "Hey, can we have a quick call?" It's like suddenly, and some sometimes I wish that clients understood how like how that how that comes off. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I, I and and now it comes over text, which is almost which is worse. It's worse than the email. It's worse than it, it's worse than the right. So you get your text in, and it's like, yeah, we need a quick call. Well, you're already texting me. Give me a give me a one line subject on this call. Give me some sort of. Are we about yeah. to? Get, are we getting fired? Did something just break? Are we? Is you know? Is there a meteor? hurtling towards earth that's going to knock us out like the dinosaurs i don't know what's coming next because you know what's up i'm scared i just know i'm scared so yeah that's if your if your co-worker client family member whatever says let's have a quick call it's the it's the no subject the call's gonna be quick why is it calling me quick what is, what's going on it's you know and when you're yeah, texting I, back, when you're texting back and forth, they say, move it to a call. That's one. That's Let's just move this to a call. Yeah, okay, be more efficient. Let's just talk it real quick. But if it just comes out of the blue, it's like, let's have a call. <laughs> by, so. by the way, with some language that I personally always use because I have to be sensitive to this, uh, 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 to this issue, whenever I ask people for a call, because it happens all the time where these days is Zoom, I always put in, parentheses like not urgent or wording wording to that effect because that okay not urgent everything's fine like like the the, the meteor isn't going to come to wipe out the human dinosaurs so um so, so that's what i like doing i am super sensitive to this and i like spoiler alert this is not bad news something like that like i, I you know if you've got something really good and you want to spoil the surprise cool don't but um means if you're not about to drop the hammer on someone let them know and if you are about to drop the hammer on someone let them know like hey i've got some bad news it's going to affect work i really feel that we should talk about this on the phone right give them opportunity ask oh what's it about or oh how long should i budget for this or oh should i have some tissues i mean <laughs> you you as the bearer of the news know how prepared to make them like you know if, if i heard a family member died and i was calling another beloved family member and say i've got really bad news i need to talk to you on the phone you're probably going to be sad you should have a box of tissues it's it's bad news i'm sorry let's let's just rip the band-aid and talk right now or talk as soon as you can and that, and that also helps people book the urgency of it you know yeah let's right. talk when talk. oh you know sometime should I be super worried that you don't want to talk to me right away? Should I be super relaxed because you don't want to talk to me right away? I don't know. You've given me no clues. So, um, yeah, the, the, the bill came due. We got fired over the telephone. We got told we weren't going to get paid. We got told we could go ahead and sue. Uh, at this point we found out, um, the, uh, the founder didn't have, any backing funds uh, and was about to lose that 12 off we were in um, the there had only been one investor it wasn't an institutional investor it was when I when I say it was family money I don't mean oh one of those family firms where you've got like a billionaire is managing yeah. their you know, it's family 
it's not Stephen Cohen's, you know, you know, moved to a, to a family firm, stopped managing other people's m- money. No, like literally a family member was writing the checks. Um, that all came crashing down instantaneously. And so we started looking for the upside right away because it was our first big contract. So we had made a list. We did a, we, we did a post-mortem as they call them on this bad boy. And we, we came up with this list. I was able to write my notes for this meeting with you, Morgan, from memory uh, 15 years later, almost. Um, it, was wow. an important, it was an important postmortem. It was important lessons to learn about. Um, you can be friends with your clients and your coworkers, but you need to be friends with them after you already have all the business stuff established. Without a framework for business, your your friendships are going to be as much a hindrance as a help. So have your business framework set up first, and then become friends uh, about it. If you're not friends yet, if you're friends already. Like put your hands up and be like, let's pause our friendship. I know you, I respect you. I've liked you for X number of years. Let's just pause our friendship real quick. Let's get the business parameters in place and decide how we're going to work together as business people, which we've never done before. And then back right into friendship. It's fine. And if you do those simple things first, you'll save yourself ruined friendships and a lot of, a lot of heartache and potentially some expensive financial mistakes. This was a, this was a big mistake for us. It, you know, uh, just about killed the firm. Now, we didn't go crazy on the guy. We didn't threaten to sue the guy. We took him at his word that there was no money, especially when some of the revelations were, I mean, they were embarrassing. I mean, he had built up this idea of this company and didn't have the backup for it, didn't have the investors and was pretty frank about it, about his ideas and his expectations being up here and his execution is reality being down here. It was just like you're talking, he had seduced himself. Right. He wasn't just seducing us and all the other people he was working with. He seduced himself, which is something. I know, you know, the most, the strongest type of liar and the, the most challenging type and the best liar, frankly, are the people that lie to themselves. Yeah. If you, you buy it, if you buy it all. Totally. Right. I mean, I can see Bernie Madoff laying out all of those papers in his financial you know, his office. And he's got all of these papers like that and they you know allude to it in the movie and and I can see him looking at those papers and being like well these could have been profits if we made that trade if we made that trade we could have made this money but you didn't right. but in your head you are this you know you you've sold yourself before you sold everyone else which in a founder who who sells themselves first and fakes it till they make it and you know this is the era this is the beginning of the fake it till you make it error era and I can see in his head and go, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna keep plugging away. This is a great idea. I'm gonna start getting developed now so I can get traction. The fallout of what it would do to him and the people he'd hired and the product itself, which never came new, died right there in the vine to the point where, you know, I still own some of the domain names from it. Uh, I kept them to keep the memory alive uh, of the lessons we learned, but we didn't, we didn't go crazy. We didn't burn any bridges because we are still talking about someone who is smart and who might come back from things who also is, you know, was connected in the same tech scene that we were still working in. Any joy I would have gotten from yelling at this guy and calling him a cretin, calling him out for um, misleading himself and misleading us. Any relief I would have gotten in that moment would have been incredibly short-lived, but the consequences of that could have been quite longer. So, you know, I tamped down my initial desire to rage against the dying of the light. Uh, and, and I waited. I, I didn't cut ties on, on, you know, 
don't don't become friends with your clients on social media. Didn't cut the lines on social media back when that you know that was the launch of Facebook. It was a big deal back then. There's a lot of um, a lot of business was being done on it back then. Thankfully, it's not much anymore. Um, and what what happened though is that you know lessons were learned by everyone involved, including this this problem client, this this client who nearly destroyed our business. Wait a second. Here I go passing the buck. He didn't nearly destroy our business. We nearly destroyed our business by not doing. By not <laughs> I like doing that. I, I like that you're, you're owning it. It's it's it, it was us. We made poor decisions. We were too. We were overly eager, and we were we were ready to be seduced. And you know, we'd been the wallflower waiting on the side of the room. Our you know our own products weren't going to the moon on a rocket ship like we'd imagined they would, um, because it was not yet the era of ubiquitous video in everyone's pocket. Um, so it was a few years too early for YouTube still. Um, we I maintained cordial relationships with the person. I also hope that, you know, versus a lawsuit that we didn't have money for that we we might recoup some of the money eventually. And we didn't right. say we forgive. We also didn't say we forgive your debt. <laughs> I said, you know, we, we will hold on to this uh, as a promissory note for now. And we'll see what comes of it. What ha What came of it is that this smart, ambitious person who was well-connected in the technology scene all, all up and down the East Coast, um, landed a CTO position at uh, a very well-funded um, private social network. Um, and out of guilt, out of love of the incredible work we'd done to date, uh, out of maybe a desire that if he got us something, we might release his code to him, which is never going to happen until the bill was paid. <laughs> uh, I don't, I, I'm not really sure about the motivation. We never talked about it much, but, but uh, brought us in and didn't, didn't funnel money to us. Just said, you know, I'm CTO of this company. They're going to be doing some outsourcing. I know you guys are still active in that space. This is, this is very well capitalized. Here is who's capitalized this business. That's why I'm working here. They did the due diligence for us and to us without us having to ask for it this time, um, brought us to the table and said, make a good pitch. I'm not going to tell them they have to take you, but I'll, I'll be your advocate because I've worked with you and I can speak honestly about your company's um, level of quality, your company's level of thoughtfulness. And so the upside of this whole debacle is that we got signed into a much, much larger contract we were able to double our developer size. We were able to give ourselves a lot more runway for our own products. There was an upside, not just the lessons learned for future contracts, but this guy came back and in his own way, tried to redeem things. We still had to do it ourselves, but. What's also interesting about that is that reveals that he acknowledged internally himself that, that he fucked up. Um, like too often when people are like that, their ego is so high that the biggest failures in the world, they'll justify them and, and blame it at others. But, uh, but there, there's, there's definitely, there's an implicit acknowledgement of a mistake on his part there. Oh, a hundred percent. And as someone who, you know, partially how I was raised, partially my constitution as a human being, I'm a fairly defensive person. I do often start with like, what are the other factors going wrong right now? The other factors that are going wrong right now are always going to be going wrong. The factors that you have inside that are in, you know blinding you to what could be potentially going wrong in the future, 
that are limiting your effectiveness, that are um, holding you back from the follow through and diligence, you know, you need to execute a project. Um, those things that are inside, they always come first. They're yours. You can't get rid of them. Yes. Yeah, no, I, the internal struggles are, are the hardest ones. Yeah. So, yeah, I, would I like to be like, your fault, your fault. You did this. Are you, you, you're not a good friend. You brought us this crap client. We got too excited. I got too excited. I was the salesperson. I was the first boots on the ground. I'm the one that should have done the due diligence. I'm the one that should have been more insistent on extending our contract with our lawyers and looping them back in for better advice on payment and scope. I'm the one who's being seduced who didn't say, whoa, hold on a second. Right? Uh, you know, speaking of, if we're going to go with the seduction analogies, it was, it, was like a, it was like a just the tip moment, right? Just a tip. Like, no, we are not doing this until we have some protection. <laughs> and that, you know, that includes, you know, a specified scope, a contract, all, you know, I was a little naive. If I really have to go back and talk about all of the problems that I had at that moment, I was naive. I didn't have a lot of experience with mendacity up to that point. I um, am not a mendacious person myself. I'm just not really capable of lying. Anyone can tell in a heartbeat that I'm lying. I'm just really bad at it. <laughs> I was, yeah, one of my hobbies in school, in high school was acting, I was in the theater department. I was a terrible actor, you know, being someone else or trying to portray someone else's emotions. I'm not good at it. I'm an empathetic person, I feel. I, I really, I love to listen to human beings and empathize with their struggle, but to, to portray it, to fake it, I'm not capable of it. So anyway, uh, this was, I think I'm not gonna even, Rome under the bus at this point in time, but this is not the client from hell. This was, this was a horror story for someone starting out to have a client like this. And if you know the warning signs of a client like this, you can avoid this horror story. Um, we didn't avoid it. Uh, and it was only by doubling down on our, our grit and our determination to land contracts, get us out of the hole, to keep those developers we hired busy. We didn't want to lay people off that we just hired. Um, and then, and then the fact that in a year he circled back around and brought us in for something that was much larger and then enabled our team to grow. I mean, it all worked out for us in the end, but man, it was touch and go for a while. Um, you know, and I guess, I guess that's my last lesson in terms of taking personal responsibility is every client horror story is really your own horror story. Cause you're, 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 you're the one that puts you know, if it's a client who's really aggressive, you're the one who sits there and, and, and takes it or it doesn't walk away. So I, I haven't watched all of your other episodes yet, Morgan, and I, I haven't heard all of your horror stories yet, but um, the, within every horror story is that element of what you did. I'm not, I don't want to blame a victim ever, ever, but um, especially in business, usually you get those warning flags and you can walk away. Um, and so I, oh, I guess my walk, walk, so, walk away. <laughs> so a few things. First, I forgotten how poetic you are in your, uh, in your talking, but I, I, I like this, I, a few of your observations today, including every client horror story is really your own. I would add to that is this is what makes it a horror story. 
like the hardest things to deal with are like are are your own demons. Um, like you know the the famous line from uh, from Stalin. I I, I feel where it's like killing one person. One is one a one 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 death is a tragedy. A million is a statistic. Okay. With lines, yeah, exactly. And it's like when you watch it with other people, like a million other people dying, you say, oh, it's just statistics. But when you have to deal with your own horrors and your own psychologies and your own issues, like that's the tragedy of not just your own life, the tragedy of human life that 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 were that were created flawed, and and our struggle is to is to figure out how to overcome or circumvent uh, circumvent our, our own flaws. And I also think this is one of the impetuses behind the podcast it, itself and why and why I started this initiative, which is it's really hard for people to talk about their own flaws and their own weaknesses, which is fundamentally why until this podcast, no one's talking about this stuff. It's much easier to just like blame the annoying people over there. And it's much harder to, to, uh, to blame yourself. Yeah. And, you know, I, uh, you know, if I if wanted to assess one more piece of blame to myself, you know, uh, I didn't look for the, I wasn't looking for the horror stories. I was all sunshine and optimism. I wasn't, you know, preparing for the downside helps avoid the downside. Um, and a lot of the lessons, especially the due diligence lesson, um, and be extra careful with friend referrals because they come a little too easy sometimes. Right. So you're already being vouched for. Um, so it, it's a little easier to get something done when you're being vouched for. That doesn't mean you could stop and, and not think about the potential problems and just, you know, whether you're a pro con list person, if you um, are a talk to a few people, like get the friend's advice person, if you're a sit and meditate or ruminate person, whichever one of those types you are, do that thing for a minute and think about what the, the potential downsides are. Because especially in business, not everything is sunshine and lollipops. There's, there's very likely to be some rain. It might not happen. But you know what? The, like the, when you bring your umbrella, it doesn't rain. When you when you stop for a second and think about the potential horror stories, maybe you'll never be on Morgan's podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I've uh, reached out to a few people for the podcast, and 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 they're like, "Oh no, I've I've never had any horror stories. I've made lots of money and done great, and I've never had a problem." And when people tell me that, I'm like. It, I just, I just don't believe it. I think they just don't want to be on the podcast and they don't want to tell me that directly. <laughs> like said, said definitely we, we, we all have, a, uh, have, have our horror stories and it's, it's, it's part of the human experience. It doesn't matter if it's the soft no or the hard no, still no. <laughs> <laughs> so, right. You know, what well, either way you're hearing no, you need to, to listen and be like, yeah, I hear no in there somewhere. I should stop now. So, and then and, and and that comes to your core point and and, and and part of this that people are saying things and people are doing things and you have to be able to hear the no when it's being said. Like he was acting these ways, he was doing all these things. He was, he was putting up all these yellow flags. You're just too young and too naive in order to to realize that that color is yellow. You thought that you thought the color was green when it was, and yellow and green are kind of similar. They're on the same spectrum. Yeah. They are right next to each other in the rainbow. <laughs> That's a good yes. point. Um, <laughs> um, yes. All of that. Yes. So, you know, 
your, your poetic way of speaking is influencing me today. This, yeah. this, this was great. The, the lessons are awesome. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's been a great episode. Uh, uh, thank you. Thank you for your time. Yeah, absolutely. A pleasure to be here. I'll tell you what, I know that this is a podcast you just came off the ground, but as I alluded to earlier, I still own, uh, the main names from this horror story. So uh, I, I kept one. It was the worst of all the brainstorming names. So this was like a shopping list and a shopping bag program. And so I'm still the proud owner of listbag.com. Now, if someone else can come up with something not, not gross. <laughs> not, not as exciting as the golden L. What was that other domain you said you are? Liquid gold nails. <laughs> I've been like, I've been like a nail parlor. There was a nail. There was a night my my wife and her friends and I were all sitting around, and it was my wife and her friend who were really just getting into an entrepreneurial brainstorming session. Um, and they were just talking. Entrepreneurs try and solve problems, and the problem they're trying to solve is like, we're busy women. You know, how do I get my car wash and my nails done at the same time? And so it was a car wash with a nail par parlor in it, and. Um, yeah, so, and I'm like sitting there, <laughs> this is one lesson I didn't learn from that brainstorming session. Um, when someone comes up with a good idea because domains are so cheap to register, register, I, I just went out and like, as they're brainstorming, I, I registered like several variations of the business idea they were coming up with and just got the domain name. Um, and I still hope that they do this concept. I would go there. I would get my nails done. Have you ever had it? I'm not a manicure guy, but I love a good pedicure every now and again. I've got gross dude feet. I'm running around all the time. I would totally get a pedicure and have my car washed. I would do that. Preach to the self thing. By the way, in, in Latin America, there's a thing of having car wash cafes. I've seen so many of them where you can just like, it's like a normal cool cafe while your car is being washed. I've, Never seen that in the U.S., but it's in the same universe. Very, very European where um, you you would, you know, sometimes on a long road trip, you would need car service as well. And so service stations with not just petrol, but also repairs would often have like a real cafe, not just like a fast food thing, but like a sit down. Exactly. And it's the more relaxed European and Latin and South American way of like, we have this thing we have to do this long trip. Why not take a pause, have a glass of wine or a coffee? talk to each other, you know, get, you know, the car doesn't just need to get washed while we stare typing on our phone. We're going to have it, you know, have a nice meal and be leisurely and discuss and it'll get washed when it gets washed. Anyway. Sure. So, so, so let's live in that style. So, uh, so list bag, list bag. List bag. I, it, let, if this podcast for yours, which is just growing, if it hits, let's pick some number of downloads. How many, how much, what's, do you, you care to share your average download so far? Is it really I, just... I, I, ha I haven't even looked yet. This is so new. But. So new. All right. So let's just throw an arbitrary number out there. If this one hits 500 downloads, because I, I see uh, download milestones all the time. My son's a huge Lily Hevish Domino YouTube channel fan. And she had her, I remember still her 500 uh, subscriber celebration Domino fall that she made. Um, 500 downloads. I will put listbag.com up for auction and... Um, we will also have a contest to pick a charity. I will pick three different charities, put them up there, and whatever money comes out of this bag, it'll be the my horror story demon I finally unload, and we'll put it out there into the world as good, and uh, and we'll send that money and I whatever the 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 sale I, I will kick in some too. I, I want to be part of the, the, 
So I wish you much success on this. This is an amazing idea. And I hope that there are a lot of people that get a lot of use out of this. And I sincerely hope that uh, our, our mistakes uh, can be lessons that someone else don't have to learn. So, so they can make a whole different class their of own. mistakes. Yeah, make your, <laughs> make, your, make your own mistakes. I already made this one. <laughs> we, could do, we could redefine progress as, uh, you know, the famous quote that where they say progress is just like more tasks are being automated. It could just be just removing the number of mistakes that people, having fewer and fewer mistakes that people make. Or the mistakes they make are more and more unique. And so they're, you know. Ooh, yes. Love it, love it. The world of this customer mistake making. <laughs> love it. There might be a domain in there to buy. Let's go register some domains. Customized, I'm going to see if customized mistakes is available right now. <laughs> this, this was fun. It was, it was fun catching up and these are great stories. And, um, and in the podcast notes and on the site, I will, uh, I'll mention the 500 target to see if we can yeah. raise a bit of money for charity. This would but be great. Let's see, let's see if we can hit the downloads. And then, you know, after that, let's see if we can have a successful auction, but love it. I'll, I'll tell you what, no matter what happens, lifttag.com will be doing something more than it's doing now, which is nothing. <laughs> Love it. This, this has been, this has been fun to be continued. Truly pleasurable. Be well and good luck. And thank you everyone for watching. Thanks everyone. Be well.